0: Hello, and thanks for checking out this episode of The C.C. Wong Show. I'm your host, C.C., and on today's show, we're going to look at the very important topic of mental health through the personal experience of a well-loved spoken word artist in his community. If you're new to my podcast, my aim here is to enlighten and inspire. Each episode, I will take you into the world of a person who has inspired me in some way and turn their life wisdom into useful takeaways to help you achieve happiness and deep fulfillment in your life. So be sure to check out my website, cc-one.com, that's s i s s i - w a n gcom to access all the content of each episode, including my personal takeaways after each interview. And subscribe to the CC One Show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to be alerted to new episodes featuring top artists, thinkers, trailblazers, and newsmakers. All right, let's get to today's episode.
1: My brother and I were these young kids who didn't want to do that. We didn't want to bottle in because we could see what it does to us early on. We could see it in ourselves and so we're trying every which way to develop new mechanisms to approaching mental health, Mm -hmm. things like therapy, things like art.
0: Hi again, everyone. My guest today is Patrick de Belan, a Filipino-Canadian spoken word artist based in Toronto, Canada. As I've said earlier, The aim of my show is to help listeners achieve happiness and fulfillment in their life, and the opposite of both is poor mental health. In this episode, we're going to look at just how important it is to take care of our mental health through Patrick's personal story. A word of warning about this episode. It contains explicit language and content related to suicide that some may find upsetting. If you think you might be affected, you may stop listening now. Now for those of you who don't know, spoken word artists are kind of like modern day poets who perform their poetry creations in front of a live crowd. As a spoken word artist, Patrick is praised for his wit, creativity, passion, and sharp social commentary, and is well known in the spoken word circle here in North America and the Philippines. In 2020, in the midst of the COVID pandemic, Patrick released his digital poetry collection In Between Lines. In it, he opens up about his own mental health struggles, his deepest fears and disappointments. The album has been called his most confessional work as an artist. Now Patrick had a younger brother named Jordan who was also an artist and struggled with mental health issues like Patrick. The two were best friends growing up and helped each other through their problems. In the Filipino culture, mental health issues are often dismissed and never talked about in the open. In 2021, Patrick found Jordan dead in his apartment after committing suicide. Jordan's death affected Patrick deeply. Since then, Patrick has been working on a documentary about Jordan's life and has been volunteering at bereaved families Ontario and writing poetry to help him cope with the tragedy. Patrick says he's doing everything he can to stay too. Patrick tells me he had always turned to writing and art to cope with his mental health struggles, and this is a story of two brothers' mental health, art, and healing. I met up with Patrick in his neighborhood in Toronto late July, and this is Patrick and his story.
1: I'm scared of heights. I heard it's lonely at the top. Dying alone is a given, but living alone is not. I'm scared of being complacent. I'm hoping for something different. That I'll need a life's worth of photos first before I can figure out what's missing. I'm scared of people thinking that I have a boring life. So I delete photos when they get less than a hundred likes. I'm scared that I don't even know if I want to be happy. Spoken word Poetry as a genre to me was like a a blank page. Like it was like a blank canvas. There wasn't really a lot of form to it. Kind of just like whatever the fuck you wanted to say. Art was always a level of therapy for me. That's how it started. That like, it started with me expressing myself mm-hmm. and getting things off my chest so to know to have like a format that's just open and without any kind of like limitations that was super cool i'm scared that no one will love me unless i learned to love myself when at this moment i'm staying alive for someone else and look i may not be the biggest fan of me but honestly part of me thinks that hope and a reflection kind of helps what scares me most is that we don't talk about what scares us That we will share everything but behind the when i was younger i liked um a lot of raising rage against the machine like mm-hmm. art all the art that i consumed was this like anti-establishment um kind of like you know like art, art like all this kind of like like the status quo like um a lot of the art that i love whether it was like big brother and like 1984 or like
0: yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Like, Rage Against Machine and punk music, or like, like, rap music. just anything that was like, kind of, like, critiquing the system that we live in and how it is only works for certain people. Was like, such a. Again, I was very attracted to that um, mm-hmm. kind of art, and like, um, I think it's because it directly reflected the life that I was living, and I felt a lot of the times um, in many different parts of my life, like, like, you know, limited by circumstance, by by whatever it was that I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do and that really pissed me off because I could see people around me and kids around me from other backgrounds and whatever being able to give and all the opportunities are a lot more than me and that just made me angry this level of like inequality and that not everybody gets the same um whatever it was just like it, it, it triggered my own personal mental like whatever like anger and so like Listening to music that talked both about like your personal depression and your sadness and anger But also about your anger towards the world and how it's burning and how that affects you like I really loved art like that All right. Love is knowing when not to leave check check Peace is something people died for Bravery is wearing heart-sauce sleeves, but brains is a butterfly knife in the side drawer. See, it's hard not to hurt when you're hurt, to see a world for what it is and what it's worth. So I'll spend these last few minutes here on Earth praying you still learn to love it at its worst. My parents were poor, right? Like, they came here with nothing moved here when they were like 14 15 and they were like living on their own they were sponsored by an aunt, but the aunt wasn't really around mm. so they were like basically like trying to survive as little teenagers in mm-hmm. um a city so that was hard you know you grow up in a neighborhood full of other immigrants yep there is just, isn't that and even in that time in the 90s like there wasn't a lot of talk about that like now yeah. you can go to certain neighborhoods and mm-hmm. see like ads and posters for like therapy or like you know like um i don't know just like other community engagement events that are centered around mental health in different communities like you can see that and back then it wasn't a lot of that so like you know i mean having the mental illnesses uh was also hard mm-hmm. um and there's a lot of other things came from that like it was a it was a turbulent household my parents had their own issues and um you know so like yep. there was viol- it was violent at times there's a whole cocktail of just oh, like unsaid dirt under the rug that happened in a lot of these places but like you know i think just your community and your like the way it was back then it was just like you know pull up your bootstraps survive through yeah. it you know just get stronger learn from it blah 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 but also don't talk about it especially if it's super uncomfortable don't talk about it just get over it and that's kind of how yeah. the um the mental overall illness. whatever it was yeah. so like mm-hmm. my brother and I were these young kids who didn't want to do that we didn't want to bottle in because we could see what it does to us early mm-hmm. on we could see it in ourselves and so we're trying every which way to develop new mechanisms to approaching mental health mm-hmm. things like therapy things like art things like whatever it expressing ourselves to like counteract some of those like you know like belief systems that come from um, my family but also a lot of other families I knew Letting go Doesn't mean You have to leave Maybe Letting go Doesn't mean You have to leave Maybe get to know The person You're not proud to be Maybe letting go Doesn't mean You have to leave. Maybe when we're Done It'll be someone You don't have to be Maybe letting go Doesn't mean You have to leave but Maybe letting go Doesn't mean You have to leave Maybe letting I should have told you that it's not your fault. doing everything. On
0: January 24th, 2021, Jordan de Berlin committed suicide in his apartment. He was 26 years old and was survived by his son who was born six months later.
1: I should have told you being strong is our greatest weakness, being whole is it the same as being able to carry the pieces I should have told you that we could aim farther that we could live smarter that we could love harder than our fathers I should have told you you are far from stupid a grade lower than 50 I think when it comes to his suicide I think that um it got really dark and um Mm -hmm. if you look at it like a fight which is kind of what I like to look at it like you know you're fighting like an illness or because it is a mental illness but when you Compare it to like any other illness and you and you see someone and they use the language like fighting the illness, you know. But He fought really hard. I think just the hardest I knew in terms of like how I've seen people fight. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was ever a time he went wrong. I think uh, he lost a fight that was really hard.
0: So tell me about Jordan. What kind of person was he?
1: Uh, J- Jordan was a really cool guy. He was... Yeah, he was just my, he was my best friend. He was, um, easy to talk to. He was a, he was a, a, an incredible friend. He was passionate, um, and he was artistic and he was, um, emotional and felt things, um, very extremely, um, yeah. And he was also funny and, um, like very good at, um, you know, like, not not good at small talk, but just very good at getting down to who a person is. And, um, yeah, so he's a, overall just a really good friend. And sometimes, you know, he was an asshole, too, you know, but, <laughs> you know, like any cool person is. Um, and but, yeah, so that's a little bit about Jordan. It's hard to explain, like like a whole mm-hmm. you know like how do you explain a whole person's life but i i i always lead mm-hmm. with an incredible friend because i think that's just like a really good explanation of a bunch of different things.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. So was he there for you and were you always there for him when each of you struggled with your own issues?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We were we were best friends, more than just like brothers, we were best friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we um so, yeah, we were there for each other a lot. I mean, I was the older brother and I definitely played that role, you know, like the older brother mm-hmm. role. But he was there for me in a very different way than I was there for him. And it was just as important. So.
0: So how did everyone in your family react to his passing?
1: Um, Yeah, shit. Um, it was just it was bad. It was it was hard, you know. Like, it was complicated. It was just hard. Hardest thing um, a mm-hmm. lot of us have ever had to deal with.
0: Have you come to terms with it today?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you ever do. You know, I think grief works in a way where it's, like, coming to terms with it. If, if that means, like, just, like, the acceptance that he's dead, yeah, of course we have. I mean, that's just... Like that's just biological. I mean, it's like his body is no longer here and moving. Therefore, you know. Um, but coming to terms with it, no, I don't think you ever do. You know, and I think, um, I think that's okay. I think, and I think that like yeah, I think that's okay to not come to terms with it in the way you know to not find closure, but to figure out how to be happy and still exist and live. Um, is is key i don't think you always get closure and i think um yeah i think that sometimes we think we should but we don't and we should learn as humans to not have to need that uh in order to uh, move on and continue living so yeah no don't think i'll ever come to terms with it fully
0: so how how are you today after all this has happened
1: yeah um like yeah i think how, how how am I, I'm okay, you know? Like yeah. I'm shitty a lot of the time, okay sometimes. I'm happy in moments, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just like, yeah. I hate this to keep using like grief as some sort of like umbrella thing, but I think anyone who's just experienced grief in its intensity, similar intensity to mine, could just understand mm-hmm. what they are like. Like when someone asks you how you are, it's like, well, you know, like, You you know, there's a whole other universe that exists that I'd rather be in, but I'm finding little small moments of joy and reasons to still be here. So that's that's the real answer. (laughs) And that's why okay Mm -hmm. sometimes is just an easier thing to say. So I'm okay. I see.
0: You're still, um, you know, reaching out to therapists. You told me last time that um, whenever you need help, you're accessing all those resources you were talking about. Of
1: course. Yes. Yeah, even before this, but more now for sure.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So, did Jordan's death make you realize that we, as a society, have to tackle mental health issues differently?
1: We, um. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, not differently. I think the conversations are happening. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I don't think differently. I think there's just more room for more of that kind of conversation. That's all. Like I, don't, I don't, I'm not really pushing like some sort of innovative way of having this conversation. I think I'm just kind of saying it's important and reminding people that it's important. So, I mean, poetry is my way, but people, especially poets, have been grieving in poetry since the beginning of poetry. Like, I think, yeah, I feel like the first few poems ever written was about the loss of someone they loved. Like, you know? So if that's the case, like, um, yeah, like nothing innovative. I'm just, it's just important. Like, it's important then, like, you know, like, like it's important now, like it will continue to be important. If mental health in general and depression and things like that and that experience was normalized more um, We wouldn't have to wait to interfere because people would be doing things that help with those things that address those things um, in their regular day lives like meditation or medication if that's needed or um, you know like self-reflection, um, you know, rest from work, um, like better communication skills in your relationships. All these things are just things that, um, Mm -hmm. are just important things, you know? And that's, um, I think that people with mental illnesses, including myself have hard time tapping into those things because of the trauma or the, um, the things we carry. And, um, and so if the world and I think people were just more accepting and open and understanding of these things that, it will be less like a surprise, less like, oh no, we're at this point where someone has to do something. No, like they've been struggling with mental health their whole life. Like this is a thing and we know how to deal with this. We know that that person needs this or a support system or a safety net and um, and it's a whole spectrum of things. So, um, but yeah, like in, or as someone who supported someone who's suicidal also, um, I would say um, the best thing you could do as a friend is just be there and listen and Mm -hmm. and um not judge and not try to diagnose or figure out again right or wrong but just be there and listen and um i think yeah so i think that's what you could do as as a friend, and then of course there are the you know like actual resources and suicidal like lines for suicide mm-hmm. prevention and like phone lines and all these things are amazing resources and should all be explored as well. Therapy, like all these things. So um, yeah, it's a full spectrum approach. It's just mental wellness is and health is just health, and so that's just. It requires a whole just like your body and your physical health so it requires a whole spectrum and a whole list of things to keep healthy mm-hmm. and um so yeah it's so i'm not trying to make it complicated i think it's just kind of like a general way to look at it you know like your health i should have told you that i've got you back then I knew that you were sad Even if you didn't use the word depression in your rap Even if you never raised your hand in class And tossed all your work inside the trash I was willing to read all that I should have told you you'd be a good teacher But you'd hate being blamed for it I learned more from my students But only one here gets paid for it I'm just sorry that you had all this talent And never got a grade for it Knowing how much you changed for it Gave for
0: it Why do you should think people me? don't talk about this stuff?
1: because uh, it's hard it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know like
0: like we talk about it to our therapist if you have a therapist
1: yeah you yeah. know um mm-hmm. yeah I think I was talking about this with my with um, with my girlfriend the other day where mm-hmm. it was like I wish everybody could have like a best friend yeah because like therapy is therapy and therapy yeah. is great I do therapy it's so important everyone should explore it but just the kind of dialogue you have with a best friend is just different mm-hmm. right you know it's different yep. right it's just yep. different And I think, um, yeah, so I think, I think it is uncomfortable to talk about, but it's not something that people don't do regularly they do it with their best friends. They have yeah. these conversations about close things that happen to them and they're uncomfortable but they're doing it because they feel brave and, and, and vulnerable with this yes. person. Yep. And so they're willing to explore these things and after they do, they feel so much lighter mm-hmm. and almost celebratory because they're like, I can't believe I got this off my chest. Yep. I got to share this in front of somebody. And so that kind of comfortability, that kind of whatever, I'm trying to like mimic that. But like when, but in an art kind of sense and talking about the same things, these, deep things that we deal with still it'd be still be uncomfortable and hard but create a space where people can be brave enough to say it and hear it yeah. and then and vulnerable enough to say it and hear it because then the effects um, that happened are very similar to that of having a best yep. friend, like feeling like, oh, my God, I weight lifted. But I'd imagine that in a whole audience or a whole room of mm-hmm. people. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm, I try to do with my art, you know, it's to yeah. create that environment for mm-hmm. stories like that to exist. And, and in those stories, those hard topics can be talked mm-hmm. about um, and in all of the discomfort and whatever that it comes with you know yeah so yeah I think but again it's not it's not easy and I don't like talking about it all the time because it's not fun like sometimes I want to just be fucking sitting on a bench in the sun enjoying my day right but Mm -hmm. some days I do want to say some hard shit and I don't always have the right space to do it and I think like my art is just one of the many places I know where I could at least try to facilitate that
0: I agree and like there's so many times when it's hard to just it's like what you said there needs to be a setting to talk about these things because you don't just go up to somebody and start unloading everything.
1: No, no. Right. No. <laughs> it's not socially
0: It's just unacceptable. Yeah, you
1: can't do that. You can't yeah. do that. I mean, I would I would I would like to step towards a society that mm-hmm. is a little bit more honest when they ask people how yeah. they're doing.
0: Yeah, everybody's like I'm fine.
1: Or just not answer yeah. or just not ask the question. Like think of other things to say yeah. in like formality that yeah. isn't asking how someone is because then like, so we're not just faking the idea that we all yeah. care. Like, instead, we can just be like, hey, you know, like, hey, like, at least, like, I don't know, like, hope you're doing well. At least it's, a, like, a one-sided thing. That's <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like, I hope you're doing well, but if you're not, I did ask what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, like, I think that, like, I think, and if we do care, which I think, you know, some of us do, um, I think we can step towards a society that, like, could have deeper conversations in a regular sense. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, it become... It become casual. It become regular to mention things like depression and yeah. suicide without it being such yeah. a and taboo I think,
0: subject. And the
1: only way it's yeah. gonna happen is if you kind of remove the stigma around these topics and you mm-hmm. make them normalized and you mm-hmm. talk about them constantly and casually, um, yeah. and hopefully that more people catch on. I yeah. um, don't. I think that society could be a lot, pretty cool if we had the mm-hmm. right language to just yeah. openly yeah. exist like that.
0: I know you're working on a uh, few projects right now about mental health. What can you tell us about them?
1: Thank you for that question. That's my favorite question of all interviews. (laughs) Patrick, what are you working on? I'm working on a documentary for my little brother. That one is in the editing stage right now. And um, it's probably like one of the, just the hardest stories I've ever had to tell. And because of that, I think is probably one of the best things I've ever created and worked on um and i'm also Mm -hmm. working on a few other short films and um you know writing some poems for people and poems for myself um but yeah in terms of poetry just like a lot of them just for myself and you know maybe one day i'll put out a few if i feel like um i want to share some
0: and when will we be able to see Mm. the film
1: i'm hoping it could be released in the end of 20 this year um I think mm-hmm. you've got to do some like short film festivals and stuff, so I think like publicly available hopefully like by the end of this year
0: anything else you want to add on the topic of mental health
1: um, yeah no just keep keep talking about it, you know um it's just really important even when it's not popular it's uh it's important, and um that's it, you know, and if you have a story to tell that. Um, is maybe hard um, but you think it's important and just you know do do what you can to tell it even if you feel like people will be uncomfortable or it's going to be hard to hear like um, those are sometimes the best reasons why you should say tell a story you know Uh, just find a cool way to say it so that people aren't always so like oh about it yeah
0: Mm -hmm. so for you What do you hope to achieve by telling Jordan's story? Because I know that it's a very hard story for you to tell. And, you know, you've worked really hard for it and you've invested a lot of yourself into it. Um, What do you hope to get out of it?
1: To be honest, first and foremost, it just helps me cope to see the story exist. And that's kind of how I've always made art. As I said in my interview before, you know, like... um, it just helps me to see the story exist in that way and to know that his legacy is somewhat, you know, I don't know, just there and documented for his son to watch and for other people to watch. And, and he could, you know, vi- you know, photos and videos of him could exist somewhere that people can go to and, and experience. So that's, for the first and foremost, it's for me. But also, you know, if mm-hmm. there's anybody else that's grieving him, um, it's for them. I hope that they... Uh, can be reminded about how amazing of a person he was. And then also for people who didn't know him, um, maybe just a story about an imperfect person um, who was a hero to a lot of people. I think that's like a really great story. We see a lot of those stories and I think we should see more of them. Um, And so, yeah, you know, he was a big fan of Marvel and I think it would just be really cool (laughs) to like... For people to truly see someone like Jordan as a hero, because he was to me, and in all of his perf- imperfection, and um, I think that's if we did that and we do that, we I think we'd see more heroes in our regular day lives and appreciate them the same way that we should appreciate my brother. All in all, it's just helping me as an artist um, to s- stick around, and so that's um, more and more enough of more than enough of a reason to uh, make art. I think.
0: Mm -hmm. all right thank you patrick i know this is a very difficult um, conversation that we're having so i really appreciate you talking about it and i do hope that for the people who are listening to this who may be struggling they'll come away with like a feeling of support somebody who understands and some form of help um emotionally for what they're going through so thank you of course thank
1: you very much for having me and for the honest questions I told you I was listening during the times you said I couldn't hear But my magic is more creation than making you disappear So when a young writer gives you their final letter And you're the only one who's read it Have enough guts to tell them it needs some edits Keep them writing, keep them living Creating the perfect one until they learn survival has no final draft Because it's never done so Maybe letting let go, doesn't mean you have to leave here. Yeah.
0: Patrick Debelan is a spoken word artist based in Toronto, Canada. You can check out his digital poetry collection In Between Lines on his website patrickdebelland.com. You've been listening to The CC Wong Show. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to The CC Wong Show on iTunes, Spotify or Google and give it a rating. And if you'd like to read my personal thoughts on mental health, you can head over to cc-1.com, that's s-i-s-s-i-w-a-n-g.com, where you can access all the content associated with each episode. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Until next time.